Greetings and welcome to Sojourn of Souls. Here at Sojourn of Souls, we want to extend our heartfelt welcome to everyone throughout the world. We are delighted to count all of you as part of our company as we trek together in this world so that we can live eternally with God in the next. Just a reminder, if you find that traveling with us is useful, we encourage you to follow us and share our podcast Sojourn of Souls with your friends and family. You are our only sales force. So don't be shy about spreading the word. Hi, I'm Deacon Tim Vaughn, and in this episode, I'm going to talk to you about one of the most influential saints that ever lived and the importance of a particular medal. And of course, the saint I am talking about is Saint Benedict. And the medal is the Benedictine medal. St. Benedict once said, The first degree of humility is prompt obedience. Not only was St. Benedict influential in the monastic life, but also in the educational lives of millions of men and women over the centuries. I had the pleasure of teaching at a Benedictine high school for the last six years of my educational teaching career. And before we get into the actual podcast, I want to delve into the tradition of the Benedictine education. There are 21 high schools and 13 colleges and universities in the United States that teach in the Benedictine tradition. The Benedictine wisdom tradition like most ancient wisdom traditions, Benedictine education sets its sights on the transformation of the human mind and heart. Now I want you to listen closely to what I'm about to say. Benedictine education stresses the formation of the whole person rather than intellect alone, body, mind, and spirit. At its best, it calls for a lively interplay between rigorous thinking and the development of practices for right living. Again, the lively interplay between rigorous thinking and the development of practices for right living. Do we hear about right living in our public education now? Our public education does not talk about right living, but the Benedictines do. Three influences animate Benedictine education. Number one, Christ who is encountered anew each day in scripture and the human person. Two, the rule of Benedict as it is lived in community. And three, and the extensive and rich tradition of those who have pursued Christian and monastic holiness in the past. St. Benedict explains what page, what passage of the inspired books of the Old and New Testaments is not the truest of guides of the human spirits 
as he says in a rule 7336. The rule itself steeped in two scriptural references aims to show monastics the way of abundant life. These two sources, scripture and the rule, far from being static, are interpreted through a living tradition originating in time and places far distant from today's monastic practitioners and remarkably more generative than contemporaries often realize. Ten core values can be distilled from the rule of Benedict. Love, prayer, stability, conversation, obedience, discipline, humility, stewardship, hospitality, and community. Individual monastics steep themselves in these values, striving as best they can to embody themselves as wholeheartedly as possible. St. Benedict promises that by doing so, his disciples will come to the point where they can run the way of God's commands with inexpressible sweetness of love, a perfect love that casts out fear, including fear of the unknown, the new or the stranger. This is the transformation of life that is at the heart of Benedictine monastic life. Now, let us learn about St. Benedict and a Benedictine medal. But first, let us begin today with the Our Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The future father of monks, St. Benedict, is believed to have been born around 480 as the son of a Roman noble of Norcia, Italy, and his twin sister, St. Scholastica. In the fifth century, the young Benedict was sent to Rome to finish his education, along with his elderly nurse slash housekeeper. The subject that dominated the young man's study was rhetoric, the art of persuasive speaking. A successful speaker was not one who had the best argument or conveyed the truth, but one who used rhythm, eloquence, and a technique to convince. The power of the voice without foundation of the heart was the goal of the student's education. And that philosophy was reflected in the lives of the students as well. They had everything. They had education. They had wealth. They had youth. And they spent it all in the pursuit of pleasure. 
and not truth. Benedict watched in horror as vice unraveled the lives and ethics of his companions. Afraid for his soul, he left his studies in Rome in pursuit of the sanctity of his soul. He wanted spiritual perfection. He knew his life was going down the drain. He soon settled in a remote area of Subiago and found and found a hermit named Romanus. And Romanus discussed with Benedict the purpose which brought him to Subiago and gave him a monk's habit. Romanus, who lived in a monastery not far away, gave Benedict a monastic habit made of skins and led him up to an isolated cave where he might live completely undisturbed. The roof of the cave was an overhanging rock over which descent was impossible and approach from below with difficulty. In this desolate cavern, Benedict passed the next three years unknown to all but his friend Romanus, who each day saved for him a part of his own portion of bread and let it down from above in a basket by a rope. According to the writings of Pope Gregory, the first outsider to find his way to the cave was a priest who, while preparing a special dinner for himself on Easter Sunday, heard a voice say to him, Thou art preparing thyself a savory dish, while my servant Benedict is afflicted with hunger. The priest immediately set out in search of Benedict and finally discovered his hiding place. Benedict was astonished, but before he could enter into conversation with his visitor, he asked that they might pray together. Then, after they had talked for a while on heavenly things, the priest invited Benedict to eat, telling him that it was Easter day on which it was not unreasonable to fast. Later, Benedict was seen by some shepherds who at first glance took him for a wild animal because he was clothed in the skins of beast. It did not occur to them that a human being could live among the barren rocks. From that time on, others made their way up the steep cliff, bringing such small offerings of food as the holy man would accept and receiving them for instruction and advice. After the death of Romanus, Benedict accepted the invitation of some nearby monks to be their habit. The monks, however, were quite wayward and would not take the counsel of Benedict, who was quite strict and conspired to poison him. St. Benedict, suspecting their evil intent, blessed the goblet of poisoned wine offered to him, whereon the goblet shattered. Thus he left the group and went back to his cave in Subiago. We do not know how long Benedict remained in the neighborhood of Subiago, but he stayed long enough certainly to establish his monastery there on, far, on a firm and permanent basis. Now there in the neighborhood was a priest called 
Laurentus, who, moved by envy, tried to ruin him. He tried to poison him with poisoned bread. But when he prayed a blessing over the bread, a raven swept in and took the loaf away. From this time, his miracles seemed to have become frequent, and many people, attracted by his sanctity and character, came to Subiago to be under his guidance. Having failed by sending him poisonous bread, Florentus tried to seduce his monks with some prostitutes. To avoid further temptations, in about 5.30, Benedict left Subiago. He founded 12 monasteries in the vicinity of Subiago, and eventually, in 5.30, he founded the great Benedictine monastery of Monte Cassino, which lies on a hilltop between Rome and Naples. It was here that he wrote the Rule of St. Benedict, which became the norm for all Western monasticism and is still practiced today by Benedictines the world over. Begun 1,500 years ago, in 2018, the Benedictine Confederation numbers about 7,500 monks in 400 monasteries belonging to 19 different congregations with regional differences, particular missions, or specific spiritual traditions. Some 13,000 nuns and sisters also belong to the order. This rule proved to be a guide for countless souls during the past 15 centuries. The Benedictine order has given the church over 57,000 known saints, 35 popes, of whom 17 are saints are blessed. And as I mentioned earlier, quite an influential saint. The model of the order is ora et labora, prayer and work. As Benedict explains in the prologue of the rule, we have therefore to establish a school of the Lord's service in an institution of which we hope we are going to establish nothing harsh nothing burdensome, for it is by progressing in the life of conversation and faith that, with heart enlarged and ineffable sweetness of love, one runs in the way of God's commandments, so that never deserting his discipleship, but preserving until death in his doctrine within the monastery, we may partake by patience in the suffering of Christ and becoming worthy inheritors of his kingdom. Amen. St. Benedict's twin sister, St. Scholastica, found in an order for nuns based on the same rule. Then while praying one day, St. Benedict saw in a vision the death of his sister and her soul rising toward heaven in the form of a dove. He is believed to have died of fever at Monte Cassino, and both are buried in the cathedral of Monte Cassino. In his general audience on April 9, 2008, 
Pope Benedict XVI said, St. Benedict offers useful guidance, not only for monks, for for all who seek guidance once on their journey toward God. For in moderation, humanity, and sober discernment between the essential and secondary life, his rule has retained its humanating power even today. The great monk is still a true master at those school we can learn to become proficient in true humanism. In 1964, in view of the work of monks following the Benedictine rule in the evangelization and civilization of so many European countries in the Middle Ages, Pope Paul VI proclaimed Benedict the patron saint of all Europe. Now we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about the medal of St. Benedict. Many Catholics proudly wear the St. Benedict medal. It is a sacramental containing many symbols and prayers that can remind us to hold fast against temptation. The St. Benedict medal is one of the most popularly recognized symbols of Catholicism. You can find it on bracelets, necklaces, door hangles, hangers, and many other items which contain the medal. And what does it mean? And should you wear one? Should you have one in your house? I've got, I carry about six of them a day, oddly enough. I have four of them on my rosary. I have one around my neck. So, and in our house, we have one in our four corners. So you can have one regardless. The exact time and date of the making of the first St. Benedict medal are not clear. And the various incarnations have appeared over time. The depiction of the St. Benedict and the Latin prayers of exorcism date from a 1415 manuscript at the Benedictine Abbey of St. Michael in Mitten, Germany in 1647. During a witchcraft trial of the same year, the accused women claimed to have no power over the abbey as it was under the protection of the Benedictine cross. The original design comes from the classic Benedictine cross, but how do you know if you hold an authentic Benedictine medal in your hand? First, on the front of the medal will include a picture of St. Benedict holding the cross and his rule which is the basis of the Benedictine way of life. You will find a poison cup on his left and a raven to his right. The presence of these two symbols often confuses Catholics to their apparent randomness. But both stories we have already covered earlier in a podcast, so we will not recover them right now. But if you know of somebody who wants to know about the raven and the cup, Please explain it to him. Now, I'm going to turn this podcast over to my son, Scott, who speaks Latin far better than I do, since the rest of the next two minutes are mostly in Latin, and it symbolizes the effect that the St. Benedictine Medal has. So, take it away, Scott. Above, you will find the words, 
Crux Santi Patris Benedicti, or the Cross of Holy Father Benedict. Surrounding St. Benedict himself, you will also find the words, Eius et obitu, nostro presentia muniamor, which reads in English as, May we be strengthened by his presence at the hour of our death. The Benedictines have always regarded St. Benedict like St. Joseph, as patron of a happy death. The reverse side is dominated by a cross. On the arms of the cross are the initials CSSML. N-D-S-M-D. These letters stand for Crux Sacra Sit Mihi Lux, Non Draco Sit Mihi Dux. In English, they translate to May the Holy Cross be by light. May the dragon never be by overlord. In the corners of the cross, the letters C-S-P-B stand for Crux Sancti Patris Benedicti, the cross of Holy Father Benedict. The letters on the back of the St. Benedict medal are simply the initials found above Benedict on the front of the medal. Now surrounding the back of the medal, we have more initials. V-R-S-N-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. These are the initials of each line of the rite of exorcism. The rite of exorcism reads like this, with translations next to each other. Vade retro satana, be gone Satan. Nuquam suade mihi vana, never tempt me with your vanities. Sunt mala quae libas, what you offer me is evil. Ipse venena bibas, drink the poison yourself. Finally, there is the word pax at the top of the St. Benedict medal, which translates to peace. Thank you, Scott. Now, it should be noted that solemn exorcisms can only be performed by a Catholic priest with the permission of the bishop. Now, the question, where can I buy a Benedictine medal? You may already have one, believe it or not. They are often in crucifixes, or you may have been given a medal somewhere along the way. If not, they're easy to buy at most Catholic bookstores or online. However, it is to me the most important that you have it blessed by a priest using the Benedictine blessing. I have just had a crucifix blessed by my parish priest using the Benedictine blessing and he did it in Latin, which is pretty powerful in itself. So to help your priest find the Benedictine blessing online, it is in English and in Latin. So let us close by praying a Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And remember Jesus' words, wide is the road to destruction. And so we remind you to stay on the path and we ask that St. Raphael, the Archangel of Travelers, God speed you on your sojourn. <laughs>